When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know, the fact is that Black women and, and women, period, are oftentimes key architects of social movements, of community organizations. And they're really pioneering in so many ways. And... Far too often we get erased from the books and our, our names don't get shared and so on. But the fact of the matter is, and especially in this case, that yes, three Black women helped to found Black Lives Matter. That was Opal Tometi, a founder of Black Lives Matter, which has been called the largest movement in U.S. history. During 2020, it became the rallying point for countless demonstrations across the United States and around the world. Demonstrations that shined a spotlight on the social injustices Black people face every day. I'm Alain Verveer, and this is Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. We are bringing you 100 of the world's most inspiring and history-making women you need to hear. Opal Tometi was born in Phoenix, Arizona, and grew up in a tight-knit Nigerian immigrant community. She grew up to become a community organizer and an advocate for just immigration. In 2013, she co-founded Black Lives Matter alongside activists Alicia Garza and Patrice Cullors. Last year, Opal was named by Time Magazine as one of 2020's 100 Most Influential People, and she was on the BBC's list of 100 Inspirational Women. I spoke with Opal as part of the Seeking Peace series produced by the Georgetown Institute for Women, Peace, and Security. Listen and learn why Opal Tometi is one of Seneca's 100 Women to Hear.
Opal, it is so terrific to have you with us for this conversation. We're really thrilled. Thanks so much for having me. You had mentioned, Opal, that you realized that you were different, um, an African-American young woman when you were in school. And I wonder, did you have any sense of racism at that time or, or when did you become aware? You know, I first became aware of racism in the first grade, uh, to be quite honest. It was, it was quite young. I was in a classroom and running towards the door and tripped over the foot of a young boy in the class and he lashed out at me and he called me the N-word. And I remember not knowing what that meant, but I remember his reaction towards me was so visceral and so emotional that I went back home and essentially told my parents. I didn't know what I was telling them, but I did relate to them that there was a young boy who was mean to me that day and he said this thing and I didn't know what it was. And the next day, my parents showed up at school. I don't know what they said to my teacher, but I remember them having a conversation with my teacher and that never happened again. And that to me was the first instance of you know, advocacy that happened on my behalf and for me. And I appreciate my parents for doing that. But I know at that point, what I experienced through that incident was that I was different. You know, that young boy was naming my difference. I wasn't aware of it, but there was something about that incident that has stayed with me through my adulthood. And it was really the moment where I was given language for my difference and that my difference became associated with a negative tone and a negative light. And while I don't believe that, and I, you know, my, my folks definitely um, instilled within me a pride in my skin color, a pride in my culture, a pride in who I am as a woman and as a young girl at the time, I do remember feeling that tinge of, oh my gosh, why? You know, why would somebody say this word to me? And why would they try and make me feel bad about something that I was born into? And, and God gave me this skin and what's wrong with it? And that was, you know, that was early on. But I'll tell you, I had such a diverse set of friends growing up. You know, my best friend from first grade was from Jordan. You know, another one a few years later was from Sri Lanka. You know, another one was from Puerto Rico. And so I had this really diverse set of friends. And actually in high school, some folks used to call us the UN because that was like our nickname. And so you we know, were just a mix. And that, even that, even, you know, my crew of friends, um, and the diversity that I got to experience within our, our relatively small school was something that allowed me to understand the world in a more complex way and it, uh, allowed me to understand the diversity and the beauty of that diversity from an early age. Well, and these are terrific lessons you've just imparted, you know, in terms of learning the meaning of advocacy from your parents at a very young age. and your appreciation for diversity and just the sense of empowerment that you are gaining. So I suppose it's not surprising in some ways that some years later, you became one of the co-founders of Black Lives Matter. And anti-Black racism is not only happening in the United States, it's actually happening all across the globe. And what we need now more than ever is a human rights movement that challenges systemic racism in every single context. That was 
in response to the acquittal of George Zimmerman, who uh, murdered that 17-year-old Trayvon Martin, take us back to the moment when the idea for Black Lives Matter was born. So Black Lives Matter was born, oh my gosh, over seven years ago now. And it really came about because myself, Alicia Garza, Patrice Cullors, are community organizers. We are people who've been part of our own um, local communities and have been engaging in activism in a strategic way over time, right? And have been engaging in campaigns and advocating for ourselves and alongside others for our communities. And what is important for folks to know is that we started because a 17-year-old boy was shot and killed in his own neighborhood, in his own community, for no reason. And George Zimmerman, you know, the man who murdered him, was on trial and everyone around the country and really around the world were watching this court case unfold. And it felt as though the young Trayvon Martin, 17-year-old boy, was on trial for his own murder. And it was unconscionable. It was intolerable the way that they tried to really scrutinize his character and just almost, gosh, assassinate his character in so many ways. It was really awful and disturbing to watch. We were upset and then got the news that George Zimmerman was acquitted. In the circuit court of the 18th Judicial Circuit in and for Seminole County, Florida, state of Florida versus George Zimmerman, verdict, we the jury find George Zimmerman not guilty. So say we all four person. I got the news via text and tweets and just cried. And then it occurred to me that it was because of my youngest brother. I have two younger brothers, but my youngest brother at the time was 14. And I remember thinking to myself that he is going to remember this story for the rest of his life and that this story is going to mark his generation. And because it's such a historic case and a historic outcome that I didn't want that to be the end of the story. I quite literally was like, this is not it. This cannot be. We can't just take this guilty verdict and not say or do anything about it. And so, like many people, I went to social and began to see different texts and tweets and and so on. And I saw Alicia Garza's Facebook post, which essentially read as a love note and said something to the effect of, you know, Black people, I love you. I love us. Our lives matter. And Patrice Cullors, who I actually didn't know at the time, she put a hashtag in the comment section. And I reached out to her the next day and said, I don't know what you're doing. I hear some murmurings. I'm seeing this post. Uh, But I think we really should do something here. And, you know, I was already community organizing with an organization called the Black Alliance for Just Immigration. I was already directing that group, an explicitly Black organization, working on immigrant rights and racial justice. But I knew that something more needed to be done. And... She also agreed. <laughs> and so I bought BlackLivesMatter.com and then I created our Facebook page and started our Twitter page and then sent an email blast 
to a network of, you know, dozens and dozens of Black community organizers and essentially invited them to join the project and let them know that, hey, we're starting this thing. You know, we're going to start all using the hashtag Black Lives Matter and we should all share what we're doing to ensure that Black lives do matter. That was back in, in 2013. But then, you know, 2014 came around and what took place in 2014 in Ferguson, Missouri, was equally as important and equally seared into the imagination of the entire United States, but also around the world. And that is the murder of Michael Brown by a police officer in Ferguson and the acquittal that happened soon thereafter. Although this case represents one of the most significant, significant moments in St. Louis's history, the question for this office was a simple one. Could we prove beyond a reasonable doubt that when Darren Wilson shot Michael Brown, he committed murder or manslaughter under Missouri law? After an independent and in-depth review of the evidence, we cannot prove that he did. Mike Brown was murdered in Ferguson, Missouri, and his body was left to lay in the streets for over four and a half hours. And that entire experience, that incident of seeing his body laid in the street was jarring and disturbing for the entire community and really for the entire world. So many of us really decry what took place as though it were a public lynching. Because if you remember, in the past, there were these lynchings and they would leave Black bodies for the entire community to see. And that was how this felt. And it caused the community of Ferguson to, to mourn in public, but to be outraged in public. And what took place was that they were met, you know, their righteous mourning, their righteous rage was met with a militarized police force. And they were tear gassed and they were brutalized and the entire world watched. And we largely were watching via social media, via streaming by some amazing activists on the ground. And so we went to Ferguson because we saw what was happening and we wanted to ensure that we were showing up for one another. And so with less than two weeks of organizing, there was a mobilization of over 500 Black people to Ferguson, Missouri. And we were engaged in rallies. We had healing circles. We did a lot of really amazing work. But out of that gathering came the inspiration for creating a global network. So those are, I feel like, are the two important things for folks to know. We were never just an online social media hashtag, and that was all we are. But we were always about embodying our values and using the online tools to take action in our real lives, you know, offline. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear will be back after this short break. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. So interesting. And, and of course, the issues that you rallied around at the beginning have continued to demonstrate how important your work is and the need for it. Uh, what does it say that you and your co-founders um, are all women? Does gender play a significant role in Black Lives Matter? It should be no real surprise to people that Black Lives Matter was founded by three women. However, I find that oftentimes people are surprised to learn that. And, you know, the fact is that Black women and, and women, period, are oftentimes key architects of social movements, of community organizations. And they're really pioneering in so many ways. And Far too often we get erased from the books and our, our names don't get shared and so on. But the fact of the matter is, and especially in this case, that yes, three Black women helped to found Black Lives Matter. And we have been community organizers for many years, which is what allowed us to see this moment, right, to see the crises and provide input, right, provide sound guidance and, and strategize so that we can find our ways to solutions that work for all of us. And I love the fact that we're three women who started this. I think it's brilliant. Um, I think the fact that my sisters are queer, uh, myself with you know background of having immigrant parents, just the diversity even within who it is that we are allows us to have a, a necessary perspective and organizing framework that is really inclusive and that demands that we support, protect, you know, defend all Black people, period. You know, whether you have a disability or whether you're undocumented, we're here for all Black lives. And 
we're unapologetic with it because we are black women and because black life comes through black women. (laughs) And so there's something about our analysis and our set of contributions that is really looking at the spectrum and the breadth of who it is that we are. And that to me is our strength. And here we are having a black woman, the first woman ever, Uh, in the United States to be elected vice president. But while I may be the first woman in this office, I will not be the last. Because every little girl watching tonight sees that this is a country of possibilities. It must make you feel uh, just filled with tremendous joy in many ways. What are your hopes uh, both for uh, Vice President Kamala Harris and what are your hopes for the new administration? I hope that they will continue to listen to the voices of the people who've taken to the streets, but who also went to the polls and voted them into office. We need them to listen to our demands, listen to our concerns, concerns from you know, police brutality to how we're handling the pandemic. Black people are the most acutely impacted by this virus. We're seeing in the U.S. that disproportionately Black people are contracting and dying from COVID-19. And so to me, we need leaders who are going to address this crisis head on, that aren't going to pass the buck, that aren't going to prioritize big business over families, and that are going to address issues of systemic inequality, of racism, of sexism, of gender disparities head on. And my hope is that as folks who worked tirelessly and organized around the clock, that our voices will be heard, that we will have a seat at the table, and that we can have real partners who work with us to build the kind of democracy that works for everybody. And the work will continue as it must. You know, at Georgetown, we've often, in our work, uh, focused on the struggles of women in conflict zones, but not just their struggles, the fact that their leaders and their voices are critical around the tables where decisions about them are being made. But sometimes I think we overlook our own communities uh, that still don't have peace and security here in the United States. Can you just say a little bit about the kind of peace and security that you think is still missing for Black people in America? Issues of peace and security are central to the movement for Black lives. You know, oftentimes, People think about human rights being something that happens abroad, but the reality is the concerns are right here. They're within this nation. And when I think back to the rallies and the protests and the courageous people who believe so much and know that Black lives do matter, that despite the pandemic, they chose to go to the streets, yet they were met with tear gas. They were met with with the militarized police force. They were met with rubber bullets. Um, Some people were bulldozed with vehicles or run over. And it was extremely 
disturbing. It was heartbreaking. I know myself as a community organizer, there were so many times where I just could not believe that this was happening in our own backyard. And to me, the peace and security that we need is that of the protection of people who choose to raise their voices, choose to advocate, choose to be community organizers or activists in their community. We have to defend the rights of activists, the rights of human rights defenders, because when they are under attack, that means all of us are under attack. And while we have this amazing uh, track record and we're being celebrated as the largest movement in history, really proud and happy about that. However, we are also met with a similar kind of factor, and that is we are the entity with the most disinformation in history. And we're living with both of these distinctions. We can't have a healthy democracy if we have a democracy that is still criminalizing people who speak out. That's just not how it works. Well, thank you so much, Opal Timeti, one of the co-founders of Black Lives Matter. Thank you for your passion, for your leadership, um, and for your great and deep commitment to ending racial injustice. Thank you for all you've done and for what you will do in the years to come. Thanks, Opal. Thank you so much for having me, Milan. This was really great. What a great lesson in leadership from Opal Tometi. Here's what stood out for me from that conversation. First, as we've heard before, change starts with individuals and it draws its strength from communities. As Opal says, Black Lives Matter came about thanks to three women organizers who had spent years working in their local communities and engaging in strategic activism. Second, Online tools were key to Black Lives Matter's success. Social media amplified and spread a vital message and turned it into a worldwide crusade. Finally, women's voices need to be heard. Some people are surprised to hear that Black Lives Matter was founded by women. But as Opal observes, Black women and women in general are often the key architects of social movements, but far too often they get erased from the history books. It's up to us to make sure their names are known. Tune in next Thursday to hear about our next featured woman and discover why she's one of Seneca's 100 women to hear. If you'd like to join the Seneca Women Network, go to SenecaWomen.com there you'll get access to exclusive events and workshops, plus updates on new podcasts and other opportunities to get involved. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear is a collaboration between the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio with support from founding partner PNG. Have a great day. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. 
we went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Slash compatibility.